0: I'm Meredith and I'm Katie and this is I'm not scared you're scared a
1: horror movie podcast
0: welcome thanks for joining us we are talking about the shining made in 1980 80. We're doing a big hitter today. It is in the day, well, evening, sort of evening time. Yeah, I mean, it's still daylight outside, but it's summertime, so. I know, I'm just kind of a little bit confused about days and COVID makes everything confusing, like what day is what. Well, plus I took a nap this afternoon, so I don't know what's going on. So you probably are super out of it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, I guess let's start with what is new with you. Katie, what's new with you?
1: What's new with me? So, I am freaking out a tiny bit because my son, my oldest child, is graduating from grammar school in four days. And it's really like poignant and emotional and wonderful. But he was at, he's been at the same K 8 school um, this whole time. So, we've been in the same school community for nine years. And it's just crazy that it's it's over because I remember, you know, when he was accepted and being like, oh, OK, I don't have to worry about any more applications for nine years. And now it's like, oh OK, we got we It's, it's over. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely going to be crying a lot, even though my daughter's still at the school. I'm still going to be at the school for two more years. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying goodbye to the school, but it's still like it's it's emotional.
0: And plus he'll be like, smell you later.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be way more emotional about it than he is. But he did get very excited about. um, So normally, you know, they have an eighth grade dance, which obviously they can't do indoors. And so the school solution for it is that they've rented a silent disco like oh, service. So they're gonna be outside in the schoolyard um in their like fancy clothes and everything and their masks and they're gonna have silent disco headphones on. And so like that's it's a cool solution to the problem. But then I'm thinking like, okay, well they have headphones on and then they all have masks on. So it's gonna be like no conversation whatsoever. And then my no. husband was like it's an eighth grade dance. There wasn't going to be any conversation anyway. Mm, I'm like, no. well the girls would definitely be talking to each other.
0: Yeah. They'd be but. like, did you know so? And did you notice that Oh my gosh, she's, she's dancing like, with her
1: and now she's yeah. dancing with him. Oh my gosh. I can't believe she did that. Uh, oh do you think gosh. they're still like
0: that? Do you think eighth graders are still like that? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I mean, how much do kids change like as far as like yeah. that stuff? Yeah, like the drama
1: and the um yeah, the girl boy stuff can't I it probably hasn't changed that much. Probably not.
0: They're just know. texting
1: instead of writing notes and folding them like
0: swans like we did. And doing their uh future. Um, oh the fortune, the fortune tellers yeah although mine can still make those yeah grace like, makes them too yeah I feel like ours were way more serious like we're like this Brutal. is this is real yeah yeah this is actually <laughs> gonna, gonna happen have to you babies <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're ready and live under a bridge <laughs> oh, oh yeah because there
1: was that other one that was like homes where and then you like drew the spiral and they told you to stop and then you counted because it was like yeah. remember it was house what, what did the no it wasn't homes that's the acronym for the Great Lakes <laughs> it was like house, shack, mansion. Maybe it was homes. <laughs> You're
0: living in a shack. You're going to have a thousand babies. You're married
1: to Mr. Smith, the librarian. Ew. <laughs> Ew.
0: Yeah, we got way off topic with that.
1: Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> but yeah, that's, what, that's what's uh, big with me right now this week mm-hmm. is is that
0: graduation. How about you? Well, I do actually remind me that my fifth grader is graduating from... Her elementary school, which is kind of, you know, bittersweet because she didn't get to go go there like at all, basically, except for maybe six weeks before it's time to, you know, head off for the summer. So that's exciting. And um, I, my boyfriend and I had people over for the first time in like, oh, I don't know,
1: <laughs> like a year. Yeah. I don't know. Because this is the party mm-hmm. place. So yeah. to have it shut down for that long is tragic. Yes.
0: Well, we had f- a few times. I can count on one hand how many times we had people come over. And it was, like, in the either in the front yard or mm-hmm. the backyard. We were very, like, COVID conscious yeah. about it. Oh, yeah, because we watched Beetlejuice
1: in the backyard that time.
0: Yes, for my graduation. Yeah. Um, so... We had people over. They're all were vaccinated We all played Dungeons & Dragons for four hours. Then we played board games and we we're eating and drinking and having a great time. And people were over for 12 hours. That's insane. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when you don't see people yeah. for like a year.
1: <laughs> when you fall off the wagon of, of quarantining.
0: You go we big. Fall, we go back hard. We're like, yeah, we're going to play Lords of Waterdeep for for three hours. I can't even, I don't even know what that is. Well, that <laughs> If you were cool, you would know, Katie. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, just not I'm cool. going to live with not being cool. <laughs> okay. Well, so let's move on to our film, I guess. What did you want to do? Are you, were you wanting to do like a, your synopsis kind of?
1: Yeah. Yeah. About? Let's get that out. So um, I tried to be a little more succinct this time because my monkey shine synopsis from the last episode was, I think, a little too thorough. It was um, more detail- than you needed really mm-hmm.
0: um but uh, i mean i enjoyed it but yeah. I, I was like involved in the conversation so. <laughs> <laughs> it's like i'm watching it all it over again like <laughs> too long <laughs>
1: um but the nice thing too is that the shining is a familiar enough story to a lot of people that it you know it's not like monkey shines was probably completely new to most of the people listening um but also I never dreamed that I would be so lucky that we would be doing another Stephen King story again so soon, you know, episode one, Carrie, and then we're only in five and we're, we're back at the King. So I'm very excited about that. Mm -hmm. Um, actually we had, um, a my daughter's Girl Scout troop had a meeting um, last weekend, and one of the girls uh, we were had finished up a a public speaking badge um, the meeting before, and she hadn't been there, and so she had to come and perform her monologue for the group at this last meeting. And she chose a monologue from The Shining that it was um, when when Jack is yelling at at Wendy about interrupting his typing, and <laughs> she was. She's this tiny little peanut of a of a sixth grade girl, and you know, just so sweet and, and 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 peppy. And then to see her like try and do a Jack Nicholson shining thing was amazing. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. So here's my recap, and and uh, you let spoilers me... abound. Oh you... yeah, if you haven't seen this, I mean, you've had about forty years. Forty one. Yeah. You know, so get on that. Not to be a shamer, not to shame you. Yeah, but if you haven't if seen The Shining, why are you listening to a horror movie horror movie podcast? I don't know. What are I you mean, doing here?
0: I mean there's people who like don't like Stephen King, but you know, they shouldn't <gasps> listen. They need turn to turn those off right now. Yeah. If you don't, if you
1: don't like OK, continue. I will not speak to you. Um, OK, so uh, importantly, we should remark that while it is based on a Stephen King novel, it is truly a Stanley Kubrick movie. And that's mm-hmm. something that we can you know, talk more on later. But it's um, I think it's safe to say out the gate that it's more reflective of Kubrick than it is of King. Really, the mm-hmm. movie is. Um, and, uh, part of that would be our opening credits where there, he's driving up to the hotel and it's these beautiful visuals, like these aerial shots of the car, making this, the winding trek up to the hotel in the mountains of Colorado with the very like good music. I feel like the, the, the ominous, um, it's, and it's kind of, um, classic and familiar that that music's pretty great. Um, it's like playing in my head right now. I can't do it (laughs) but it is it's it's like this beautiful bright outdoorsy nature visual and then this really like haunting aggressive music was it was a good contrast um And so basically, that is our main character, Jack, driving to the Overlook Hotel to interview for the job as the winter caretaker. Um, And so in the interview, he's meeting with um, Mr. Ullman, who is the manager, and Mr. Watson, who's, you know, has another role at the hotel they don't really go into. And um, just kind of your standard interview where Jack's finding out what his role is going to be as a winter caretaker. But during the interview, um, you get an uh, important uh, factoid that Ullman shares with Jack um, that might you know kind of discourage him from taking the job which is the story of the previous winter caretaker Grady who got what they called cabin fever and murdered his wife and daughters with an axe and then shot himself you know like standard cabin fever uh-huh. you know i mean who hasn't done that at christmas time
0: well, um, i mean we we I mean, just christmas. went through a year of covid so yeah if you haven't if you haven't
1: murdered your family good job <laughs> good job <laughs>
0: two thumbs up two we haven't
1: um, and so, but it, you kind of do a little hopping back and forth between the interview um, and then back at uh, Jack's apartment where his wife, Wendy, and their son, Danny, um, are, you know, kind of waiting as he's off interviewing for this job. Um, and so those are, you know, kind of the three main characters is Jack, his wife, Wendy, and the, the son, Danny. But then you, we also meet Tony, who at this point, we're just told is Danny's imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we ping pong between the interview and their apartment in Boulder, um, we see that Danny is talking to Tony in the mirror and all of a sudden Danny starts having visions of things in the hotel um, that Tony is evidently showing him. And so then that's our first indicator that it's not just like your standard imaginary friend. And of those visions that Tony shows Danny are two of the more like iconic horror images of the movie, which is the creepy twins. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Although you find they're not actually twins. They're just sisters, but they're dressed identically and they're the same height.
0: They're so, like always referred to as twins. Yeah,
1: but they're eight and ten. Like yeah. they're, they're just sisters. They're, they're siblings. the same height. And I mean, twins
0: are siblings, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like and not. Sisters that aren't twins, twins,
1: I don't think usually dress
0: identically. Yeah, I don't That's know. That's a little, although. No, Unless you're doing like a photo shoot, like with yeah, your family. Back in like the 80s and 90s. We all wear like the that. same sweater yeah. together. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Or
1: the, or the big like matching family Christmas pajama thing that <laughs> everyone does now. I've never done that. I
0: guess I'm Me just. Me neither.
1: I, I get mean, my kids matching Christmas pajamas, but I, my husband would never in a million years do that.
0: Well, you know, <laughs> goals, family goals. Family goals,
1: yeah. <laughs> Once quarantine is over, we'll, we'll move into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other image that Danny sees in this moment um, is the, the blood rushing out of the elevator. Yeah, so that's the first time insane. that we see we see that image, um, and so then his, the this particular instance where he has these visions, um, he you know it's an episode and Wendy calls a doctor and the doctor comes and and uh, kind of examines Danny and then we see a conversation between the doctor and Wendy um, about Danny and that kind of gives us some exposition more about the history of the family that they have just moved to Colorado from Vermont um, that Danny had had. Um, an arm injury when he was younger, uh, that resulted from Jack, uh, coming home drunk and finding that Danny had made a mess in his study and yanking his arm too hard. Um, but Wendy, uh, makes a point of saying that he's been sober now for five months, which I thought was interesting because in the book he'd been sober for 15 months. Mm -hmm. So they, they shortened that period. Um, okay. So after we're done with the interview and we're kind of learning a little bit more about the family, um, you know, Jack gets the job. The family drives up to the, the Overlook to move in for the winter. Um, they get a tour, a tour of the hotel from Mr. Ullman. Um, and then we also meet another main character, which is Dick Halloran, who is the um, chef at the Overlook. And he is showing kind of Wendy um, around the kitchen and all the food that they have to get them through the winter and everything. At this point, we kind of we see Dick um, communicating telepathically with Danny. Um, And so we're like, oh, well, that's that's new. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And so he manages to get Danny alone to go give him some ice cream while Wendy goes off with Jack again. And they have a conversation, which is where we get introduced to this idea of the shining, which is Dick's name for their extrasensory perception skill that he and Danny both have. And that Dick, you know, he talks about he his grandmother had it and they used to be able to have conversations without ever opening their mouths. Um, but he's also kind of warning Danny about the hotel. And he says that, you know, just like some people shine and some don't, that some places shine and that the Overlook is one of the places that shine. Um, and, you know, but he tells him that the things that are there are just like pictures in a book and they can't really hurt him. But uh, he kind of is, is warning him about that a little bit. And he uh, fervently admonishes him to stay out of room 237. Yeah. That that's not a place. That is a room that shines. hmm. <laughs> Um, so, uh, then we get, you know, one of our, uh, really aggressive title cards that, you know, Kubrick is throwing up that says it's a month later and, um, we see like kind of another I- iconic image and you know kind of intentional is recurring throughout the movie is Danny on his tricycle and it's uh, I don't it's his
0: little big wheels yeah his little oh. big wheels
1: and like I don't I don't know anything about cinematography I'm sure that people who know about like different film shots and angles and how you execute things like this was probably groundbreaking or you know something that you hadn't really been done before but it's it's this you know the camera is just behind him following him as he rides this big wheel through this massive hotel which is probably like, the most fun thing that a little kid could do you know to mm-hmm be in a fully empty hotel and have free reign to ride his little tricycle around um and then there's also like the audio of him like he'll be riding on like the parquet floor and then he'll bump up over a rug and then he'll be back on parquet and then he'll bump up over another rug and so the the audio is really interesting too and you're just kind of like trailing him throughout the hotel Mm -hmm. and that so that scene like repeats a couple of times um during the movie Um, And then after that little ride, then we see Wendy and Danny checking out the hedge maze outside, which is like this kind of excessive hedge maze to be at a hotel. I mean, it's like monstrous, right? Yeah, it's
0: gigantic. It's like
1: David Bowie labyrinth size. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I don't. It just seems crazy, but... I don't know mazes always freak me out because I'm always really bad at solving puzzles yeah. so if I'm like even if it's like the simplest I'd like you'd have to helicopter me out probably cause I can't get out.
1: <laughs> I just don't see a hotel like investing the expense in maintaining something. We gotta have a
0: maze. We gotta
1: have a maze and like the hedges are like 15 feet tall they're like twice as tall as the adults walking through it.
0: Yeah they're gigantic.
1: And they have to, you know, be curated and I mean, I'm sure people have like died of starvation in that maze. It was insane. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Wendy and Dan are just like, ah, oh, like laughing and skipping through the maze and oh, there's a dead end. Let's go the other way. And just having a great old time in there. Um, so then kind of more time passes. Some storms come. The phone lines go down and Jack starts kind of acting a little kooky. A little extra, a little, a little extra. Yeah, he's not he's not being super uh, Mr. Family Man anymore. Um, a little testy. And um, then uh, Danny. OK, then he he actually so he had seen he'd had a vision of the twins when he was back at home before he ever came to the hotel. But then he also did see them when the first day they came to the hotel before he met Dick. Um, and then now he sees them again. But oh, in this the time, game room, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's like, in that scenario, like, if you imagine you'd never, you are seeing this movie for the first time back in 1980, and you have no preconceived, you know, notions or information about the story, you might be like, wait, you know, like, are they alive? Like, are these girls? Because at that point, there was still other staff and stuff at the hotel, because it was the closing day. Mm-hmm. And so it could have been like, I don't know, are those like, you know, one of the maids kids or something? Like, they could have been real. And then they just turn and walk out of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point later on, um, and he sees them again, this time they is when they talk to
0: him and they say, play with us, Danny. And then there's like a big gongs. Big yeah. Gong. And then they
1: repeatedly cut from the image of the two, the twins standing there to the twins laying axed to death on the floor with blood spattered all over the wall Mm -hmm. and so this is like danny's you know freaking out in the hall with the these visions that he's getting and it's the play with us forever and ever and ever (laughs) really 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 unsettling um he's like no (laughs) (laughs) rather not thanks no thanks i'm cool um And then speaking of unsettling, like we see there's a we get a conversation between Danny and Jack, um, you know, about the hotel and, you know, whether Danny likes it there and how much Jack likes it there. And Jack, Jack Nicholson is just acting really so weird he's making me really uncomfortable at this point
0: he's wearing like a black turtleneck too a lot yeah
1: that's a bad sign i don't care if it is 1980 yeah (laughs) no thank you put it away like
0: sinister (laughs) this is sinister get out
1: (laughs) um okay and so this is the point when we begin the like the dramatic title cards of the day of the week so it's like monday Mm -hmm. tuesday thursday and it's like is that is that necessary? I mean,
0: I guess. I mean, there's a reason that slowed down from like going months to months to being right. like, oh, this is like obviously something of note happens. Yeah, maybe things are setting up a little bit, but
1: um, was it essential to know the day of the week that things occurred? Maybe yes, not. Maybe I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm documenting this and taking to, I need to know. I'm <laughs> taking notes. <laughs> the twins happened on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I found a plot hole. Wow. Well. <laughs> So um, the next thing that uh, we see is Danny um, is, you know, in the hall and he sees the door of room 237 standing open with the key in the Mm. in the lock. And he's like, you know, like, yeah, I don't know if he's calling for his dad or his mom or whatever, but he's like, what? You know, what is this? And he's kind of approaching. Um, But then at that point, before anything happens, we cut to Wendy down in the boiler room, like checking the boiler and everything. And she hears Jack screaming. And so she runs upstairs and she finds Jack having this nightmare. And he shares with her that it was a nightmare that he was he had killed her and Danny. And so she's trying to kind of help him, like calm him down and help him through that. When Danny walks into the room, um, kind of like semi catatonic with like finger mark bruises on his throat, which immediately Wendy assumes Jack did to him, because who else could it have been at that point? It's just the three of them in the hotel. So she, you know, accuses Jack and and runs out of the room um, with Danny. And so uh, at this point, Jack, our recovering alcoholic, um, and and now, you know, his his wife's wrongly accused him of attacking their son. So he goes strolling into the bar um, at the ballroom that is, you know, supposed to be empty and hallucinates a bartender Mm -hmm. because who hasn't done that? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you just you need someone to talk to. So we've got bartender Lloyd and Yeah, Lloyd. Uh, good old Lloyd. Um, who, you know, just says yes to everything and they have their their little um chat and their conversation and at this point Jack is just kind of like joking around a little bit pretending that this guy's here and he's going to buy a drink and it, it's all good and all um, but then shortly after that Wendy comes rushing in with her baseball bat at that point um, like shrieking that there must be someone else in the hotel because Danny has told her that it was a woman in 237 that strangled him
0: so and he's like are you on your mind yeah he's like
1: you lunatic put the baseball bat down I'm just talking to nobody. (laughs) Stop interrupting me and Lloyd. Stop interrupting me. (laughs) My bestie here. Um, So uh, Jack, you know, goes, all right, well, you know, he's going to go check it out and all. And so he goes up to room 237, which the door is, in fact, open. Um, And this is a great scene. Great scene. Is he, you know, walks uh, across the bedroom to the doorway of the bathroom, pushes open the door. He's standing there in the doorway, and it's a very drawn out, lengthy scene where, you know, the curtain that's half pulled over the bathtub. You know, we see it gets slightly pushed back, and this like beautiful, live, nude woman steps like out of the deck bath. Like a type. Yeah, woman. that's a, a good, good likeness. I mean, she's just, you know, beautiful. It, yeah, you could tell Stanley had fun casting <sighs> that role. He's like, no, 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 don't talk, don't talk. Just climb out of a bathtub. You're stepping
0: carefully stepping. into yeah. the bath mat. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I need I need a woman with legs that are eleven feet long. Get me that woman. <laughs> and so she, you know, and he, the Jack that like, keeps cutting between her and him in the doorway, and the look on his face is just like so junior high boy, like because <laughs> it's naked ladies climbing out of this bathtub. He um, looks
0: he looks pretty juiced about yeah, it. He's, he's like, not
1: not minding it at all. <laughs> Um, and so then, you know, he approaches her and they meet in the, the middle of the bathroom and, you know, embracing this passionate kiss. And mid kiss, he catches a glimpse of the rear shot of her in the mirror and sees that she's this rotting corpse. Mm-hmm. And as he pulls back, it's this rotting old woman. Who then, of course, he pulls away and starts backing away in horror. And she's just cackling her ass off, like full on, you know, witch in the gingerbread house, like, <laughs> is, like chasing after him. Um, and so he runs
0: out of the room. I mean, he, she bamboozled him pretty good. Oh, she, so. it was a great prank. She's,
1: <laughs> <laughs> great she's, prank. <laughs> she's a prankster. Um, so, of course, at that point, Jack, you know, runs out of the room, returns to their little apartment and tells Wendy, no, nah, there's nobody there. There's like, no it's thing. cool. So I checked. There's nothing sweat it, there. That's what it. <laughs> and he tells her, Danny must have strangled himself. Because, you know, that obviously... That's, that's the, the only other explanation. The only other possible explanation. Um... Now, interspersed with these events and some of the ones that come, we keep popping to Florida, which is where Dick has gone for the winter. That's where he goes when the Overlook closes um, over the winter. And we realize that Danny is kind of like reaching out to him telepathically um, for help. Mm And so, uh, you know, as we keep popping back to Florida, we see um, he gets his vision. He tries to phone the hotel. He can't get through. He calls the Forest Service. They say they'll call the hotel on the CB radio and they'll get back to him and then they can't get through. And ultimately, he gets on a plane and flies out to to Colorado to make sure. He has to leave
0: his house with the nude nude portrait Afro yeah the, like port portrait. Jackie
1: Brown style like beautiful Nubian queens with afros I mean it was posing. a nice place yeah, in nice
0: this place yeah there's some perky perky boobies in the in, the, in those, <laughs> those art pieces. I'm like he's chilling <laughs> having <laughs> a great time and like,
1: like, there's one behind his TV when he's laying in bed and one behind his bed when he's standing at the TV like he's got yeah. all his bases covered I feel
0: like he's comfortable and he really cares about Danny to yeah, absolutely. leave his comfort yeah he didn't even Florida take them with him. like there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he's you know on a plane heading to Colorado to try and help. Um, so at this point, we're back at the hotel. You know, Wendy suggests to Jack the possibility of leaving because obviously something's wrong with Danny and they've got to get him out of the hotel. Um, and Jack, uh, you know, like totally snaps and um, storms out and goes back to the bar and Lloyd. Um, but at this point, when he goes into the bar, instead of it being empty, and you thinking he's kind of like imagining these things here, it is, he's walking down the hall and there's streamers and balloons and confetti all over the hall. And he walks into the ballroom and it is full of people in, you know, evening formal wear, like there's clearly this huge party going on. And, uh, but he, you know, heads off uh, to his bar and, um, you know, gets his drinks from Lloyd. And uh, then at one point, he stands up and walks and collides with this uh, like a a butler type guy who spills drinks all over him and then takes him to the bathroom to, you know, clean up his his clothes. And then we find out that this butler's name is Grady. Um, And so then Jack's like, wait a minute, you you used to be the caretaker here, didn't you? And he was like, no, you're the caretaker. You've always been the caretaker. Um, and he's like, no, you killed your daughters and your wife. And he goes, oh, no, my wife's upstairs. My daughters are fine. You're the caretaker. But um, Grady does tell him that, you know, his son has been naughty and um, is trying to bring in an outsider, namely Dick. And so um, he's like, you you know, you need to take care of this. You need to correct them. Correct them. They need correction. Get out your red marker, Jack, because. They need they need to be fixed. So, Corrected. <laughs> so you know, Gr- Grady's kind of getting him all fired up about this, the anger um, about Wendy and Danny, and that they that Dick is coming and and all of that. So. Um, he, you know, he leaves the ball and he goes um, and as he walks past the office, they're trying to get through on the CB radio. And um, this I thought was really funny because the, the call signs for the two radios at the overlook, it was KDK-12 mm-hmm. and the forest station was KDK-1. Well, growing up that I was kdk
0: Mm-hmm. Because
1: there was like a hundred Kates in our class, mm-hmm. because uh, you know I was born in the eighties, um, and my last <laughs> name was K, so so many Kates. Yeah, there was KDM and KDL and KDP, and I was K. And so they're like, <laughs> Katie, Katie, one calling, Katie, one, I'm like, "That's
0: me. That's me. Oh yeah. my god, they're calling me!"
1: <laughs> um, but Jack goes and opens up the CB radio and pulls out a bunch of stuff i don't know i'm not what a to
0: crap that looks important <laughs> i'm not
1: a cb radio technician but what it sure look like why it wasn't why gonna are work
0: you, what are you for if you're yeah, not, not a cb radio out. technician you're fired
1: uh, so at this point um wendy you know kind of leaves danny um, up in the room where he's still you know not doing too well um, and she's got her bat and she's down looking for jack Um, And this is where she uh, comes across his, you know, his typewriter and the play or, you know, piece of writing that he's been working on um, that and sees that all it is is the sentence all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy over and over and over and over and over again on just hundreds of sheets of paper. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's, like, list style, sometimes it's paragraph format, sometimes it's, like, a quotation format, but it's just that same sentence over and over and over again. There's, like,
0: dialogue in the play that's all the same. You're, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so she's alarmed,
1: understandably. Um, And at that point, you know, Jack walks in, and they have, you know, their first, like kind of real confrontation, like aggressive confrontation where, you know, he, he says, you know, I'm not going to hurt you, what you didn't let me finish. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. Mm-hmm. Like, and so things have really escalated at this point in terms of the uh, antagonism going on between the two of them, um, and Wendy, you know, watching her swing that bat is one of the most pathetic things I think that's ever been done. I mean, she's hysterical and she's crying and she's shocked and afraid and she's swinging that bat like I don't even know. It's mm-hmm. it's not it, it's sad, um, but she does manage to hit him um, and knocks him down the stairs and temporarily unconscious. And she drags him into the pantry and locks him in, um, which should have worked. Uh, but the hotel's haunted.
0: darn darn those meddling ghosts
1: (laughs) I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those snooping ghosts Um, so Grady comes to the pantry and is talking to Jack through the door Um, and kind of like shames him for like like, why are you such a loser (laughs) like I mean (laughs) I thought we agree that you needed to correct your family and it really kind of looks like you're not capable of doing that you're really bad at correcting (laughs) he's like I saw her swinging that bat I don't know how you got hit by it (laughs) Um, and so he really you know kind of gets Jack even more amped up that like no I can do this I can do something about this I'm going to take care of it I'm going to correct them I'm going to fix the problem and then Grady lets him opens up the pantry and, and releases him so up in the apartment wendy's taking a nap because i mean she's real relaxed i don't maybe she took a sedative uh but after locking him in the pantry she went upstairs and went to sleep mm-hmm. um and so then danny um you know kind of wakes up and this is it's not the first time that we hear him say it but it is the most annoying when he goes on his red rum mm-hmm. rant yeah um So he's like, at that point, I don't, you know, he's mentioned it like maybe once or twice and other points just kind of like, you know, said the word when he was in like semi catatonic or whatever. It's just mentioned it. But at this point, he's like, red rum, red rum. And he says it exactly the same way, Mm -hmm. probably 30 or 40 times in succession. Mm -hmm. And it's it's enough. (laughs) It's enough. Um, But meanwhile, he while he's chanting the word, he gets one of Wendy's lipsticks and he writes it on the door. Um... And then approaches, you know, sleeping Wendy and basically starts screaming red rum in her face, which is totally, I mean, that's how kids wake moms up. It's just <sighs> screaming something awful in your face. Mom, <laughs> can I have a Mom, ah! <laughs> well, threw up on my bed. <laughs> You're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs>
0: You're like, okay.
1: Uh, Why did I have you? <laughs> what? i <I'm so> <laughs> um, And so, you know, Wendy uh, sits up and, you know, grabs him and embraces him because he's clearly having this fit and she sees in the mirror the reflection of red rum written on the door and sees that it spells murder when in, in inverted um which is something where i mean i this is I'm like well meredith couldn't relate but i think that now as, as part of our like our uh our society's consciousness and ethos, everybody knows red rum is murder backwards. Mm-hmm. But maybe when this movie came out, that wasn't like an assumption or common knowledge that everybody had. And so people like you figured it out very early on in the movie. But there probably would have been people like me in the theater in 1980 being like, oh my God, it smells murder. <laughs> <laughs> Like just being like mind blown when she sees that reflection because that's clearly the reaction that they were expecting because they had the like... Like scary like noise and and she's screaming when she like sees rattlers.
0: it. <laughs>
1: it's supposed to be this terrifying moment when it's revealed that Red Rum is murder.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but like I said, I mean, you would have already figured that out and would have been sitting there what? rolling your eyes. Would I have figured it out? I yes. don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, um, not in 1980 because you weren't born yet. No, nope, it's not out even now,
0: a twinkle in anyone's eye quite yet.
1: <laughs> you were a twinkle in mine.
0: Oh, weird.
1: Yeah, creepy. I wasn't born yet either. <laughs> 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 um um i lost my spot okay um now and at this point you know to amplify it because we've already got this like really scary revelation suddenly of her seeing the the reflection in the window and then jack's axe hits the door into the apartment um and he starts busting down the door with the axe um and uh So Wendy runs with Danny into the bathroom and locks them in there. Uh, And there's this little tiny window that very conveniently opens up to this mountain of snow that has built up along the side of the hotel. So that even though they're on like the third floor, you can safely slide down the snowbank Mm -hmm. to escape. So she gets Danny out the window, but then she can't fit. Um, so, you know, she's still got her knife, which I do give her credit. She grabbed that knife early on and she kept it Mm -hmm. the whole time. Once, once she dropped the bat approach, she stuck with the knife. Um, and so she's in there and she's, she's got her knife and Jack has, you know, used the ax to break into the apartment and now he's using the ax to break through the bathroom door. Um, And then this is the moment where we get the greatest ad lib ad lib of all time of here's Johnny, Mm -hmm. um, which I looked up and it is number 68 on the American Film Institute's top
0: film quotes of all time. I mean, it's a good one. Yeah.
1: And so she he's reaching through the hole that he's made to try and unlock the door and she uses her knife and slashes at his hand. And so she's kind of there at an impasse with that. But then you hear the sound of the approaching like snowcat vehicle when Dick is arriving finally and so that kind of distracts Jack, and he runs off and goes after him. Um, so at this point, Danny has come back into the hotel, and he's found a hiding place in the kitchen. And then Wendy, now that Jack has left the bathroom alone, she leaves the bathroom. Um, Dick, you know, finds the front door of the hotel open. He comes in, and within moments, I mean, he's just mm-hmm. walking around. And, hello? He's like, hello. Anybody home? Anybody here? And then he walks past the wrong column, and Jack jumps out with his axe and buries it in Dick's chest and... Good night, dick.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is, like, terrifying. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, poor guy. <sighs> poor guy. Um, so now Wendy is out of the bathroom and she's running through the hotel trying to find Danny. Um, and now she starts seeing some of the things. I think at this point she hasn't really, she hasn't had any visions. She hasn't seen any of the things that Jack and Danny have seen. But mm-hmm. now she starts seeing them. And, uh, you know, she sees the the guy in the dog suit with lloyd in the bedroom you know getting the little the business on um she sees the blood from the elevator um so she's she's starting to witness some of these um and as she's running through the hotel um jack and danny are actually outside and jack is chasing danny with the axe through the hedge maze in the snow Um, my favorite thing that Wendy comes across as she's running through is when she runs into the lobby and it's festooned with cobwebs and there's just the hokiest looking Halloween skeletons sitting on every chair and sofa in like thrift store outfits and hats with flowers and everything and she's just screaming i'm like this is the worst haunted house get up i've ever seen put together in the way they had this lobby going
0: i pushed that out of my mind because i'm like that's not scary and then i forgot it happened and then i watched it again i'm like oh yeah oh god
1: <laughs>
0: i just tried to like just pretend it didn't happen yeah
1: yeah let's let's ax that out of our our memory um so out in the uh, the hedge maze, Danny, pretty, we know he's a smart kid. Um, he manages to actually backtrack through his own footprints in the snow because that's how Jack has been able to um, to pursue him through the maze. Um, and so he steps back into his own footprints far enough and then kind of like detours around a corner and brushes out his new footprints behind him so that he kind of tricks Jack and then he's able to run out of the maze safely and gets away. Um and at this same point, Wendy runs out of the hotel and she sees Danny running out of the maze and she grabs him and they jump in the, the snowcat uh, vehicle that Dick came in because now, I mean, she saw Dick. She knows Dick's dead. Um, and so he doesn't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so they jump in and, and flee at that point. Um, and so then we're back at Jack, who's still like kind of lurching through the maze in the snow, calling out to, to them. And then we get a real sharp, quick cut to him frozen to death in mm-hmm. the, the next morning because it's like daylight and his like members only jacket
0: like that's <laughs> know, like the only thing he was wearing shirt.
1: <laughs> I know <laughs> um, and then the the final image that it closes on is you know where we come back into the hotel and there's you know this wall of framed photos and it zooms in on one that is supposed to be uh A photo of the um people at the ball in 1921 the july 4th ball which presumably is the ball that jack saw when he was in the ballroom um and as it zooms in we see that jack is actually in the photo standing in the foreground in the tuxedo with his big shit eating grin Mm -hmm. and um so he's he's there in the photo and we we zoom in closer and closer and closer and then credits
0: yeah That song that keeps playing is always the closing credits for last podcast on the left, and I'm like, I'm always like, oh, that's so unsettling. (laughs) (laughs) Like, because of that, comes The Shining. It's it's crazy. (laughs) Well, thank you for that synopsis. You're welcome. It's a yeah, eyebrow like sweat. It's a lot of stuff that happens in that that movie, and it's crazy. And I don't know. Um, I guess we can. Start talking about what? Well, I, I can talk about like uh, fun facts, or what do you want to talk about like do like what you thought was?
1: Let's scary. let's hear the fun facts
0: first. Okay. Well, I compiled a few, and I mean these are basically like you can just Google and it'll be like, fun facts about The Shining, and yeah. I'm like great, and then I wrote it all <laughs> a few of them down, not like a ton. And we've
1: already found out that that's not a real reliable way to do research because one of the fun facts you came up with.
0: Was wrong. I refuted. You're like, that's wrong. I was like, well, then they're liars. I don't know. You mean you can't
1: trust everything on the internet?
0: (laughs) I mean, I should have known, but What is this world coming to? I thought I knew. Well, here are a few fun facts. Um, When the uh, script, I guess, in the book, it's like a play that he's writing, but in the movie. You don't really know what he's working on, but he's writing every day, typing, typing, typing. <laughs> Clackety-clack-clack. And, clack. <laughs> clickety, clickety, clack, clack. and when Wendy finds it, you see, of course, it says, all we're going to play makes Jack a dull boy. Uh, Stanley Kubrick's secretary, uh, the director, of course, Kubrick, uh, his secretary spent months and months, I think about, I don't know how long, typing that that the play that he'd been working on. Um, and then she had to recreate that Those pages in five other languages for the international release of the movie. And um, I have a few of the translations. So instead of saying, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy in German, it said, don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. <laughs> um, <laughs> good, good advice. Good advice, I suppose. <laughs> in the Spanish version, it said, although one will rise early, it won't dawn sooner. Sure. I, I, Fine. I, mean, I, don't,
1: okay. I don't get. It. It's true. I don't get what we're supposed to take away from that.
0: I'll just say, all right. Um, <laughs> in, in Italian, he who wakes up early meets a golden day.
1: Not always true.
0: I mean, it can be foggy. For, for I mean, sure, if you're in San Francisco. But I thought that was kind of funny or interesting. Yeah. Um,
1: well, you don't really think about the like l- the process of producing props. You know, yeah. which is why when you get to the end credits of a movie, there's like hundreds of names because there are so many little mundane tasks like that that need to get done.
0: Yeah. And then that prop is like probably one of the most iconic props you could ever think of. Yeah. for Like a film. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my gosh. Like everyone who sees the movie remembers that yeah. prop and it's just like pages and it's mm-hmm. horrifying. <laughs> well,
1: When we did um, when I picked this book for our book club meeting a few years ago. And um, that's what I did. The Remember, I made the sign for our photos that said, all work and no play makes mom a dull girl. Because mm-hmm. it is. It's like, and and that's what we, I had asked you earlier, and we still don't really know if that phrase originated with this film or if it was already kind of a...
0: An existed one. Yeah. I don't know. I do remember your murder cupcakes, though. Your red mm-hmm. rum cupcakes. Yeah, I like scattered the,
1: the Cabernet raspberry sauce, like blood all over the cupcakes. I ate like...
0: Two and then one for the road. I called it a road cupcake and I just like (laughs) ate it in the car. Uh, So the other fun facts include the elevator scene took uh, about a year to shoot before they got it right. Because it's like took days and days to clean it up with after like all the blood um, pouring out. Um, There are 60 doors used for those repeated tanks when Jack slams an axe through the door. Uh, there were 900 tons of salts used for the snow because we all know that wasn't snow. I mean, come on, you're not yeah. fooling anybody. It was
1: it was <laughs> pathetic. I've never seen worse fake snow.
0: <laughs> and then uh, also, this is kind of interesting. Uh, Shelley Duval was known to have been deeply impacted from being in this film. And she said, Stanley pushed me and prodded me further than I've ever been pushed before. It's the most difficult role I've ever had to play. Uh, And then I I believe um, it was in the Guinness Book of World Records. um, Wendy swinging the bat during that um, when he's pursuing her kind of like walking while she's walking backwards up the stairs with the bat. That was shot 127 times. Well, no wonder her
1: swings looked so
0: pathetic. Her
1: arms were like noodles by the end of that.
0: Um, So then that's, you know, clearly she had like. Problems. She said she had like her hair fell out during the filming oh, no. and she's just like stressed out. And, um, now I feel bad for how much I hate her like fight her flight. character. <laughs> you're, you're like if someone's screaming at you, running after you with a knife and you're like it's happening over and over again. Yeah. I know you're an actor, but after a while, yeah. you're on your, some your level, your body like, can't tell
1: the difference. Yeah. And if the man chasing you was Jack Nicholson, you should be really afraid because who knows?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I thought that was... Those were interesting factoids. And then also I forgot the very last one, which I thought was kind of interesting, was Danny Lloyd, who played, of course, our um, character, Danny. He didn't even know he was in a horror movie film. He just thought he was in a drama and didn't realize until he saw the film when he was like – uh, in his teens, he finally watched it, and he didn't find it scary in the least because he knew everything that was right. going on behind the scenes. And
1: although you wonder, because you think you you kind of wonder when they put little kids in these movies, mm-hmm. like how do they handle it to you know hopefully minimize the impact. Mm -hmm. On the kid, like when you think about Gage in Pet Cemetery, like he's literally a toddler, you Mm -hmm. know, like you you try to avoid scarring them, I would think as much as possible. And the way that the shots were done, like, for example, when he's in the hallway and he's seeing the twins and the bloody blah, 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 they're never in the same shot. So all they were taking were reaction shots of Danny. Yeah. He doesn't actually see the twins or he doesn't see them posed on the floor with blood everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I could, I actually would think it would be entirely possible that when he didn't see the movie until he was a teenager, he had no idea that any of that was in that because yeah. he didn't even necessarily have to be there when those shots were, were taken. And I would think that he wouldn't have been there if, because he was a child. Mm-hmm. But who knows?
0: I mean, maybe with him running through the hedge maze... I don't know, like, how often he and Jack Nicholson were in the yeah. same part. Because they were never well, in the same screaming. shot. Yeah. Yeah. So if Jack Nicholson's like, I'm going to kill you, probably the child actor yeah. was not even there. And yeah. Like, had no idea. Like, yeah. We just want you to run through here and trace back your steps and everything's great. <laughs> yeah. And
1: well, we're going to add in the audio later. Yeah. So just don't lick the salt. <laughs> I know.
0: Here's his salt. So I thought that was interesting facts and... Um, you know I, I always love that movie and I think it's great but I guess one of the main questions I can ask you Katie since this is what our podcast is about is <laughs> did you was this movie scary to you
1: that's I feel like that's a hard question for me to answer tonight Um because I probably I might have said yes at some point um when I was younger I I don't really remember how old I was the first time I saw this movie Um and, uh, but last night I watched it with my daughter and it was the first time she'd ever seen it. And so it's always, you know, when you're seeing something with your kid for the first time, you're seeing it through their eyes. Like, uh, it's, it's a revelation mm-hmm. <laughs> I've learned with a lot of things. Um, and it just, it just seemed cheesy Mm-hmm. And um, it, I mean, it is slow and dramatic, but that's not necessarily a bad thing when it comes to horror movies, especially older horror movies. That's how they were done. Um, but even the parts that were supposed to be scary... Didn't come off that way. But then again, when you think about it, she was already she's already familiar with a lot of the icons, uh, the visual icons of this movie that some people would say were the scarier things like the twins, like the blood coming out of the elevator, like Jack and the axe and like all those things like she's familiar with that imagery without ever having seen the movie just because it's part of our. E-cultra. So, yeah. Cultra? Um, Cultra? That's a new Cultra. word. Cultra. I mean, I was going to run with it. <laughs> <Culture>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Iran-Cultra scandal. Cultra. <laughs> um, and so watching with her, I mean, she wasn't remotely, she started to fall asleep at one point, um, and she wasn't remotely scared by it. Um, but, you know, like I say, it's, it's hard to imagine what it would have been like to see it back when it was new, especially if you were seeing it in 1980 and you had never read the book. Mm -hmm. And so all of this was new, like you would receive it completely differently. Um, but and usually with older movies, I make the argument that if you if you make the choice to and you like put yourself in a dark room and you focus and you pay attention and you're not on your phone or making jokes or whatever, that you can get into the moment and see what makes a movie scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this one, I feel like it's a reach for me at this point.
0: Yeah. What about I think, you? well, I read the book when I was at sleepaway camp it- when I was like, uh, in middle school, mm-hmm. and that was the worst idea I ever had. <laughs> was, I remember it was like the golden cover, and it had like the picture of that's Danny, the same copy I have. One. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, that was the re-release copy after the movie came out. Because mm-hmm. it did it have the sheaf of um images from the movie in the middle.
0: I don't remember. I got it at like half price book, so it was re. It was like resold, so that's mm-hmm. why I bought it. And um, I don't know, like in it. I just was like, oh, this is, seems like, I heard this was good, and I really liked scary books. And at that point, I, I'd only been exposed to, like, um, I'd read, read some Grisham and, like, the clients. Yeah. And then um, I read, you know, Goosebumps, all mm-hmm. the Goosebumps. Naturally, Fear Street. <laughs> scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And I read all those, and I was like, I want to get, I want to read this. So, I to level up. Yeah, I going to level up. So I read it and was scared. But then I, um, I forgot, I wrote this down too, because my next exposure to the movie was when I was watching the movie Twister uh, in 1996. I remember that movie, but
1: I don't think I've seen it since like then, since the 90s. Well,
0: so in that movie, there they're at a drive it's in Oklahoma of course and they're chasing twisters it's like the worst mm-hmm. premise ever but i love the <laughs> no. movie so much <laughs> i love Bill <laughs> i know i love him so they're at a drive in movie um, and then it's like tornado season or whatever and people are watching the movie and you see Danny writing on the screen of the drive in theater mm-hmm. um, he's writing on his little big wheels mm-hmm. and then you see the tw- twins they keep referring to it as yeah the twins. we're just gonna call
1: them the twins they're um, uh, universally accepted
0: yeah and then they're like come and play with us and you see that and he's like horrified mm-hmm. and I watched that movie and I was like what is that Ooh, what are they watching forget this tornado crap. I, I want to know what they're watching <laughs> at the drive-in I was like intrigued I was like what is that and then um the tornado comes in and they're like oh my gosh it's the big one and then you see the <laughs> screen start getting shredded as Oof. it has uh, jack with his axe banging down the door with the axe like shredding it and yeah. then the screen which is funny because those scenes are
1: too. separated by quite a bit of
0: time in the actual <laughs> Ab- film absolutely <laughs> so they're completely, that was a reach yeah you're like mm, okay but then yeah and then you see Shelley Duvall her face and then there's here's mm-hmm. Johnny and then the screen gets shredded and sucked up that's by awesome. the tornado that's awesome and I was like I need to find out what that movie is. Yeah. So I Dear found Helen Hunt. What movie was it on the drive-in movie? screen? <laughs> Google wasn't really a thing at no. the time, so IMDb I, wasn't even a I thing. I had to take, I had to do some deep diving to figure out yeah. what, and I figured out later when I saw. The cover art at Blockbuster, mm-hmm. because it was Jack Nicholson with his face, of course, to right. the door, and I was like, that's "Oh, the that's th- the movie. That's, that's the it movie. right there." So I rented the tape. And then I watched it and I was like, I want to watch The Shining. And we watched it and I was like, oh, that was pretty good. Yeah. Like, I wasn't like terrified, but, but I But you had it was already read the
1: book before yes. you saw the movie for the first time.
0: Yeah. I, read I don't the remember.
1: Book. I think I had probably read, because like I said, I, I don't think I saw the movie real young. So I'm sure I had read the book already. But um, I feel like that does make it. But it also, maybe it only makes a difference if you do them in close proximity.
0: Yeah. I think it was within like a year or two later that I watched the movie and it was like the mid nineties. No, no, later than that, like 1997, maybe that summer too. I think, I'm not sure when Twister came out, but it was shortly after that. I was like, I want to watch that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It looks demented. I want to watch it. But I was watching like the X Files and stuff, and yeah. I was like, "Yeah, let's like, I'm really edgy. I'm gonna watch like murder shows." And Which is movies. funny because they they Not reference <laughs> uh, they
1: referenced The Shining in another movie um, that you're a big fan of, Ready Player One.
0: Oh, I know. Which actually, I rewatched that movie, like. A few months ago, and I was like, I loved the book, but did not like the movie. I remember you picked that book
1: for a book club one time, and I, I read it then. Yeah. Um, and then, but the movie, but again, there was a big gap between when I read the book and then when the movie came out and I saw it. And the mm-hmm. movie, like we watched it with the kids, like it was, it was fun. It was a good family movie. It was entertaining. Mm-hmm. But if I was a big fan of the book like you are, I don't know how I would have felt.
0: I was pretty bummed. But I did appreciate that they went back and they were in the shining and it's like the overlook and there's like duh, duh,
1: duh, duh, duh. <laughs> yeah, the music. And then
0: it has this big like his friend H and she's like a big orc and then uh, and her her avatar and mm-hmm. she's like, "Oh man, I I'm a little bit nervous." Yeah. <laughs> she's like, "I've never seen the shining. I don't like scary movies." <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I would say I have a lot of history with that movie. So I find it compelling. I yeah. love the movie. I wouldn't say I want to watch it to get scared because it doesn't yeah. scare me anymore. Yeah. But I do yeah, love. Yeah, it's not a
1: throwaway. It's an important, no.
0: scary movie. It's one that I like to revisit. But I think one of the most compelling parts that horrifies me is, and I think it's also Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall is so pathetic. Yeah. Where she's like, don't hurt me. Leave me to Don't hurt me. What? Leave me alone. And oh, when she's with swinging that, yeah. And he's like, Wendy, love of my life. <laughs> I'm not, I, I actually wrote this down. Um, light of my life, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, even if you're, like, not quite sure if he's where he's at. Yeah, that clarifies it. That's the it. definite, like, oh, now, yeah. We're here now. This is, that's what
1: correcting means. We're, it's out in the open now.
0: <laughs> he's definitely, like. All in, feet jumping in feet first. He's yeah. like ready to correct you with he, the bat. <laughs> he's committed. <laughs> so, <sighs> oh boy, twister, uh, twister, the, the twist. I, I want brought it into twister your life, actually. Nice. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah. Now, the only thing that I really noted um, when thinking about like why is it scary. Um, you know, because even if it's like watching it doesn't actually scare you, obviously it's a horror movie. It's based on a horror novel. Like, what is it scary? And so I, you know, tr- was trying to think of like kind of a bigger picture thing. And um, the thing that I came up with that I have been in situations like this in my life that I recognize is when you're in a large space that's norm. it's supposed to be filled with people and it's empty like that is a really unsettling setting to be in. And so I think that that's why this is such a brilliant concept for a horror story is to put three people alone in this massive, empty hotel. Mm-hmm. Because it's like you know, like even when you're the first one to walk into a movie theater, like you're early for the showing, and it's a you know a garbage horror movie like we've seen a million times, and nobody else is going to see it, and you walk into the theater and there's no one else in there yet, like it's a little yeah, unsettling. Like,
0: oh, oh, yeah, there should be people in here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and like I did, you know, stage tech for theater in high school, and so there was lots of times when I, we were like, I was in the theater or on the stage when it was completely empty and the lights were out, and it's it's. It's scary. It's like a scary setting because, you know, you're like looking over your shoulder and every little noise. You go, what was that? You know, and so I was like, think um, other movies that that um, kind of that I thought of that reflected that was. Um, have you seen The Gallows? Mm-mm. That's that's a theater one. It's um, you. You should see that. Grace loves that one. It's really scary, okay. um, but it's the I'm um, writing it down. These kids um, break into their high school theater. And hilarity ensues. But it's them at night in this dark, empty theater. Um, And then another setting that it kind of reminded me of a little bit is Dawn of the Dead. That idea of being in a mall that is empty yeah. and dark and like you just walk it and it's like it's supposed to be filled with people it's supposed to be lively and alive and vibrant and lit and mm-hmm. to be in that space where it's like empty and quiet death. and dark it's just
0: like death
1: yeah like you can introduce all sorts of things into that that would be scary just because of that setting mm-hmm. so I think that's a it's a brilliant concept
0: but yeah the concept and it's isolating was Stephen King's not Stephen King's <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> and if we want to get into now like we both read the book. Yes. I mean, I read the book. Uh, obviously this is probably a like the third or fourth time that uh, that I've read it, yeah. I think this is the third or probably the third or fourth as yeah. well, but I can't really remember. Yeah, I mean, I know I had read it at some point growing up. I reread
1: it for our book club that was at some point in the last five years, and then who, I reread it. Who chose Dr. Sleep? Was that me or you? For book club? Yeah, no, but we haven't done Doctor Sleep for book club. We didn't read Mm -mm. Doctor Sleep.
0: What did we? What were we reading for that? That we had like the Shining. We the Shining.
1: I picked the Shining for that Halloween book club. We put it on.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. I just like blocked it out. Yeah, no, we haven't done Doctor Sleep. Oh man. Okay.
1: So that's another. Episode. Let me
0: just like halt the conversation. And be like, wait, wait, what book club. <laughs> Nobody cares. <Yeah>. Hey, <laughs> I don't know. Like uh, several
1: of our book cl- our listeners might be book club members. <laughs> they so are. 100%. They know the answer right now. <laughs> and they
0: could tell They're us. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um. Now, now that we have like four listeners, we now have a hundred and ninety. Yeah. Yeah. But you've probably skipped over of most of this. It's fine. Just yeah. keep. We understand. We don't blame you. <laughs> we don't blame you. We're still figuring this out. And yeah. we appreciate I mean, you being here. <laughs> you know what? We, who needs your judgment? <laughs> I, don't, I don't need your judgment.
1: <laughs> I already heard you don't like Stephen King. Get out of here. Yeah. Who
0: needed Who needed you?
1: Yeah. So no. if, like if I didn't make this clear in our Carrie episode or if it hasn't been clear in this episode, like that's Stephen King is like half my heart. You know, it's kind of like my my husband and my kids and then Stephen King. Um, I think
0: that's like one of the reasons we bonded like early on because you joined book club and I was like, "Oh hey," and I don't I don't really talk to new people, but I guess I'll talk to you. <laughs> and then we kind of realized we both really like horror movies and we're big into Stephen King and I thought I was a Stephen King fan and I didn't know anything apparently.
1: So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, because I do. I my mom was a big fan, and so it's funny because on there was an episode of My Favorite Murder I was listening to late recently where they talked about you know like the. Um, young Mm -hmm. adult novels that are out now and how stuff like that didn't really exist when we were growing up that like there was a gap between as they put it like the beverly cleary like um judy bloom like era and then adult fiction and there was nothing in between whereas now there's Mm -hmm. that's a huge market and they kind of joked that what filled that gap for our generation was stephen king absolutely like that's that was our transition to you know adult work Mm -hmm. um and so that was my transition it was and my for me mom. Too. Yeah, my mom was a fan <laughs> and so she probably owned maybe two dozen of his, of the pocket paperbacks of his. Um, Books And so that was what started my collection, which is why to this day, I have to wait for all of his books to be released in paperback because I will not buy them in hardcover because I don't want to deviate from my collection, even though they're not published in pocket paperback anymore. Mm -hmm. They're all it's different sizes now. Um, But I do. I mean, I, I own and have read all of his books except for Dance Macabre. I've never read that.
0: I, I can't I, don't, I know I for sure did not read have not even read close to as many as you have, but I have read a more probably than most Yeah. More people. than the average bear. More than <laughs> the average bear. But, you know, I love the macabre and I love his writing and he's like a genius. And yeah. I just love like you can have like two characters in a book mm-hmm. or one yeah. or hundreds of, of characters. Thousand. And yeah. you're like Who knows what he's gonna gonna come up with? It can be anything—ghosts.
1: But it's always it it is captivating. No matter what, there's like a you know haunted cars, and (laughs) what I've always said about that, like he's never written the same (laughs) thing twice.
0: No, not at all. That's why I love him so much.
1: You know, somebody to have written as many like horror stories as him and like, well, he never repeated vampires. He never repeated clowns. He never repeated like everything is it's new. And that's Mm -hmm. why I think Lisey's story. I'm so excited that that's getting made into something because that was the book that he wrote about the widow of the horror fiction
0: Mm -hmm. author
1: and her discovering where he got his ideas because he's always said that. that, I mean, obviously, that's the number one question that he's always gotten throughout his career is where do you get your ideas?
0: I'm like, he just like trips all the time, probably. Yeah. <laughs> tripping balls. That's tripping, all it is. Ball. There's going to be like a turtle. There's like a turtle that. The whole world's on a turtle, man. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah, I man. Can see right it. there with
1: you. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I, like you, I reread the book for this recording. And so, you know, I, I finished it and then immediately rewatched the movie. Um, and so I had, as I was reading the book, I made some notes, but then during the movie did the same of, um, key differences between the story in the book and the story in the movie. There's some major, major differences, too. um, in the book, there are no twins they Danny never sees the twins they acknowledge that Grady had daughters that he killed but they are not a part of the overlook presence that the the family ever witnesses
0: but there is like voices that say like stay with us or something forever I don't think so yeah I think there was well because I just finished it like yesterday yeah me too or today (laughs) the no, no no the book yeah same well, there's something that says something like "stay with us." All right, listener, do do some research and and correct us. Well, it wasn't. I'm not saying that it was like the girls. Yeah, but it was like. See, I don't remember that phrase coming up. Oh, maybe of, something like that. Maybe, maybe like, you know, like you can't leave us, kind mm-hmm. of. And yeah. I was like, Ew. I mean, it would make sense. Um obviously there's no tricycle that whole thing of Danny riding his
1: tricycle around does not happen in the book um there are major recharacterizations of most of the characters which I think might be the basis of the uh famous friction between Stephen King and Stanley Kubrick about this film this is famously the one adaptation
0: of his books that Stephen King does not like um and he wrote that he wrote a script for it no he did not I read a few in a few articles today that he did, really? and it was he did was, not get credit for it. Well, it was um, not even looked at. Oh, by Kubrick, like okay. not even remotely considered. Yeah, because he said Kubrick mm-hmm. said that Stephen King was a weak white, weak writer, or like did you say a weak white man? I'm like, <laughs> well, isn't isn't I Stanley mean, Kubrick white? <laughs> who knows? Maybe he said that, but he did feel like he didn't. He wasn't a strong writing. Well already. Really no, I'm i I'm like, sure.
1: Yeah. Okay. I don't know if history's borne that out, but um, basically in the movie <laughs> Wendy is wimpier. She's a much stronger personality in the book. And she's blind. Yeah, she's blonde. Um, Watson in the movie is classier like in in the book he's like this gruff overalled caretaker guy that takes him through the boilers and is only working there because his grandfather owned the place and you know Mm -hmm. spitting out the side of his mouth type of guy and in the movie he has basically no lines and just sits there in a suit in allman's office Mm allman is a really nice guy in the movie yeah he's a dick in the book Like, he's he's a total D-bag. He's the worst. He's like,
0: oh, It's
1: my hotel. and Take care of my hotel. And he, like, gives Jack shit for being a recovering alcoholic and is, like, super, like, talks down to him and is really condescending. I mean, he's just a
0: prig. I'll see you in May, not a day later. (laughs) And you're like, everyone's like, yes, sir. And you're like. (laughs) You should do the whole recording in that voice. Oh, never. (laughs) You
1: kind of sound like Boo Boo Bear. Um. Yeah, so those are all characters that Kubrick just completely changed. Um, And truly, Jack's character changed quite a bit, too, because in the book, he and Danny are incredibly close, like to Mm -hmm. the point where Wendy is jealous of their closeness. And they don't bother to invest anything in that in the movie.
0: There's like... They're thick as thieves in the book. Yeah. And, like, and in the movie, so he's kind of
1: a dick to Danny out the gate.
0: He's like, you can just, like, you're a pain in my ass. Yeah, basically. like Danny's in the
1: car, like, I'm hungry. And he's like, well, you should have eaten your breakfast. He's like, tough titty. <laughs> right? <laughs> and you're like, wow. Yeah. Wow. And so that's, oh what
0: I think, one of the
1: biggest differences is that you, in the book, you see a real evolution of Jack's personality and character from mm-hmm. where he started to being homicidal and trying to kill his family. And in well, the movie, I, he starts midway there, kind
0: of. <laughs> Well, his, his roles before that was, and I read this too today, he was like in One Who Flew Cuckoo's the Nest, coo- yeah. Cuckoo's Nest right before that. So everyone, like he was already someone who seemed unhinged to begin with. Yeah, that was their and perception. So it wasn't like a huge leap that he'd be like, oh, well, obviously he's going to murder his family yeah. in like uh, like 10 minutes. Yeah, so we're and not going to try and make him a nice guy his, at the beginning. Yeah, until tell <laughs> his son to, you know, shut his face up when he's like, I'm hungry. He's like, well, too bad for you, yeah. you know?
1: You're lucky I don't have an axe right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Oh, and something you mentioned before we started recording, but a big difference is in the book, there is no hedge maze, it's topiary. Mm -hmm. It's, um, you know, the hedges cut into animals. There's lions, there's rabbits, there's a dog. And Mm. that's a huge part of the book in that the topiary animals attack them repeatedly. The lion goes down the highway and tries to stop Dick from getting to the hotel by attacking him, a hedge lion. Yeah. You know, and so what you pointed out, and that kind of makes sense, is that that would have been really hard to execute from a film standpoint in 1980.
0: Definitely, yeah.
1: Where now with with graphics and special effects and CGI, it'd be easy to do and probably make look pretty pretty believable.
0: I feel like, I mean, I'm a huge Mike Flanagan fangirl, but he did Doctor Sleep, so it's not like out of the realm of possibilities yeah. that he would maybe be able to tackle this, but it's like, yeah. start, I think, Stop
1: writing letters to Helen stop, Hunt. Start writing stop, letters <laughs> to him. I know.
0: But dear Mike Flanagan, please consider- yeah. Remaking The Shining.
1: Love, Meredith. Love, Meredith. And
0: P.S., P.S., include topiary animals. Yes. P.P.S. We insist. Uh, make it right with by Dick Hall- Halloran, because yeah. that was some malarkey. That was some bullshit. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, another huge difference
0: is in the book, Dick Survives, which, tragically, he does not in the yes. film. Yes, which I had to explain um, when my boyfriend and I watched... The, uh, Doctor Sleep mm-hmm. because he was like why is Dick lit? Yeah, like yeah. why was he obviously he had died at that point in the book uh, Doctor Sleep in the movie like when we re- rewatched it you see um, Danny's like talking to him mm-hmm. as an adult but he's like talking about how they had that like long relationship I think and he's like I thought he died because he hasn't read the book and I was like oh well he didn't die in the book he didn't die in the book and then the movie Doctor Sleep it's like not even addressed like oh yeah he's fine yeah and you're like what
1: yeah pay no attention to (laughs) that
0: yeah
1: um uh, so some kind of minor differences that it, they use a snowcat instead of a snowmobile in the book. Um, Jack is attacking them with a roke mallet, which is like a giant croquet mallet instead of an axe. Yeah. Um, the all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy was a, an invention of the movie, was not yeah. part of the book.
0: Although I feel like you really added to it. It did. That was a good I addition. That. that was
1: a good addition. Um, the sexy scene with the bathtub woman did not occur in the book. That was a that was Stanley Kubrick wanting to see some tits. In my opinion, I mean it was a great scene. Yeah. So I don't fault him for adding it, but um, yeah, that that does not happen in the book. Oh, and speaking of Dick, the actually one of the scariest parts of the book for me is the description. And maybe it's because I've been through this, and maybe you have too. But the descriptions of Dick trying to get to the hotel in a blizzard. Like when he's driving and then when he's on the snowmobile mm-hmm. and he's on those mountain roads with like a cliff on one side, like the, the descriptions are so intense. And like, you know, Stephen King's from Maine. He knows what that weather is like and stuff like that to be able to write it well. Mm-hmm. But if you've ever driven in inclement weather or in the mountains or anything like that, like it is one of the scariest things you can do. Mm-hmm. And so the, you know, big portion of the book is documenting his trip to get to Danny at the hotel
0: yeah and it's terrifying yes
1: they really like they don't they don't spend any time on that in the movie and you you know you have to cut things out there's
0: like a little bit but it i mean they're like it's really bad weather and then there's like a semi knocked like sideways and then they just wave
1: him right past and he's like (laughs) oh
0: thanks bye 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 um and then
1: what else do i have okay and then I, i will close with obviously the biggest biggest difference is that in the end of the book the hotel explodes and burns down. Yeah, like that's you know to take them be like no, we're
0: gonna have him freeze to death in the hedge maze instead. Mm-hmm. Like, Completely different. Jack in the book dies because of the boiler. Yeah, and he and the blows boiler up. is like
1: the is like a huge crux of the entire novel. Is mm-hmm. him that's his whole purpose at the hotel. Really, is to heat the place and keep dumping the boiler.
0: The only thing I only mention of the boiler is when wendy's there yeah. like looking at it and, and it's not even she's like oh
1: i better dump this she's just got a clipboard and she's, and she's like she's making like, notes of stuff i'm looking around down dip, dip, here
0: well they don't even have like the scrapbook for yeah, jack to that, look at yeah. they don't and again have... like
1: they, you have to cut things out you can't sure. put every bit in but that i mean that is such an
0: enormous change i think that i don't know like i love i always think of the movie as a different animal but like yeah. just completely separate from the book because yeah. in the you have to you have to and in the mo in the book it's like he jack is so such a, a character that you're just like really rooting for and you really want him to do okay and then he just seek like, you witness his descent into madness and you're you you're just like it's so heartbreaking because he is so close with Danny and he's like, you care
1: about him. You get an opportunity to grow, to care about him and that there's no, you
0: don't have it at all for, for Jack in the, in the movie. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like,
1: well, and you make a good point that part of that could be our preconceived perceptions of Jack Nicholson.
0: Absolutely. Because he has a crazy, maniacal, crazy face, face There's nothing grin. he can do about his he's eyebrows. Like, like, like he that. can't make
1: them be straight. Even when <laughs> in,
0: Wendy shows up and she's like, here's some breakfast. And he's like, I love it. I really love it. You're this like, is ah!
1: just how I like it. As he, like, dips his bacon in the egg yolk, I'm like, and it's like, like he's killing a baby chicken.
0: Like. <laughs> you're creeping up my day from day one yeah, jack nicholson
1: <laughs> breakfast moment on i'm freaking out
0: well i have to think of like who what actor that was big in the 80s who would have been better than like a better choice yeah. that was that is somebody that you feel like you want you're rooting for and then you see kind of witness their descent into madness and then you just feel like just crushed when you see yeah. them fail miserably, and I feel like all the names to me that are coming to mind are too young. Like they were teen
1: actors in the '80s, so they wouldn't have been old enough to play that character at that time.
0: Yeah, I don't know. So I was thinking like Andrew McCarthy. Oh yeah, you Andrew know? McCarthy.
1: Yeah, too or young. James Spader, like again, like the same generation of actors, but he, like, we've seen his. I mean, him on The Office. Like, you know, he's mm-hmm. he, you could see him playing both. ends. Like, he's got that sociopathic side to him, but I think he could do a better job of starting out sympathetic.
0: Yeah. But
1: again, he was too young.
0: Yeah. I don't know. We can, like, we can workshop it and, like, write letters to Mike Flanagan. Be like, dear Mike Flanagan. We've got some ideas. Please, please stop writing me. I don't even (laughs) know how you
1: keep getting my address. (laughs) And I'm like,
0: well, wouldn't you like to know? (laughs) I think the biggest part that I would love to see in a remake I mean, I, we're, I know we're talking about the movie, but I would love the topiary animals. I yeah. know it's it would have been cheesy. It wouldn't have worked. No. In the 80s. Yeah. Or 1980. What they
1: had at their disposal to, to execute that would yeah. have been
0: laughable. But it was just like such a huge. It's like just and a scary. Thing.
1: Like that's it. He somehow made it in the book. Very frightening.
0: Oh, yeah, because in the very beginning, it's like Jack is like doing yard work and doing other things. And then suddenly they're just in a different position. He's like, am I am I tripping? Like they only move when you're not looking at them. And then they're like, they seem kind of like, oh, they're just, you know, hanging out. And then they're like now they're seeming a little bit more and more sinister slowly. And now they're ready to pounce. And you're like, what the hell? And then he's like, I'm just like going crazy. It's -hmm. fine. It's fine. Yeah. But um, I don't know. And then I would have liked to have seen, like, him at least for a moment get lucid and be like, oh, I can't do this. But you don't see that at all in the movie. No. So.
1: No, there's no vacillation. Like, he's just straight down the barrel to hell from the the get-go.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. Which is which is sad. So. Yeah. So you mentioned that you show this to Grace. Let's let's uh, edge into our should you cho- show this to <laughs> should you show this to your
1: children? Um yeah, so uh, Grace reminder update. Grace, Grace is uh, is she she's 12. No, she's not 12 and a half yet. She's just 12. Um she's seen quite a lot of scary movies. Um this is the first time that she was seeing this. And she did start to fall asleep. She thought it was boring. She didn't think it was scary. Um, She didn't think it was very good. Um, Now, to be fair, I did front load her with some information about how different it was from the book and what what things happened in the book. And obviously I'm biased, so I may have uh, kind of pushed her in that direction. Um, however, this was something where I was only showing it to her for the first time now because of the couple of elements that a parent would have to consider in making that decision. Um, one of them is, you know, we do get that full frontal nudity of both the sexy boderic lady and then the rotting old woman lady. Like you see rotting old woman Bush, like mm-hmm. there, it's not, it's not pretty, mm-hmm. um, you know, however, for showing my daughter, a young woman, it's like, well, it's just the female form. Like it's not, that shouldn't really be that big of a deal, but for some people it may be, um, then there's another point. It's fine. Oh, so yeah. Going back the the MPAA rating is R and on common sense media, the parents and kids both say it's 14 plus, um, common sense media says it's 16 plus, um, And they reference in their description the nudity in the bathroom, but then they also reference uh, a bit where they what they described as implied oral sex with the dog, with the dog, because the dog is going down on Grady and -hmm. you can't you're seeing it through a doorway. And all you're seeing is the lower half of the dog, the man in the dog costume, the lower half of his body. And there's like a flap in the back of his costume, like those old PJs where you could put the flap down to use the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's down. So you could his ass is kind of showing. Um, but then as Wendy sees them, then the dog sits up and looks at her and then Grady sits up and looks at her as well. And so you can tell, you can infer as an adult from the position that they're in, on a bed that fellatio was occurring mm-hmm. um, but you don't see anything and I really feel like most kids under the age of 14 you would need to tell them that that's what was happening for them I mean, to even yeah. deduce a sex act was occurring
0: I mean I didn't know what was no, when I, was wa- no. when I watched so it brief. when I was 13 it's so brief. I was like I was more alarmed because I'm like, oh, those are not real. I mean, those, those people are aren't not, supposed to be there. Dro- yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And I thought that was why she was freaking out. Yeah.
1: Like, who are these people? Yes. And the, and the dog mask that he's wearing is really scary. Yes. So. So that's know, what
0: I was thinking when I was. the reaction her, was based like, on. Yes. Yeah. When I was uh, 13. Because yeah. I had no idea. I didn't know what, what the heck was going on.
1: So um, Common Sense Media does acknowledge it's high in violence. Um yeah. And and they say high in sex because of the full frontal nudity. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. It's high in violence. There's I mean, he's trying to kill them with an axe. Um, you don't actually see except for him axing dick in the chest. You mm-hmm. don't actually see the axe attacks occur, mm-hmm. but you see the result of it with the dead twins and the blood on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it's it's, you know, imminent throughout this whole later portion of the movie that the axe attack is going to take place. So that is that is scary, and, you know, if you're concerned about violence, then that's, that's something to take account of. Um, the other thing is, it, since it is Jack Nicholson, there are quite a lot of F-bombs. Delightful, oh, yeah. delightful F-bombs. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the use of the N-word, mm-hmm. which... Um, Interestingly that's so I had you know told Grace that you know Stephen King didn't like this movie and it was very different from the book and then when the scene occurs so it takes place when Grady and Jack are talking in the bathroom and Grady is telling Jack that Danny is bringing in an outsider that he's mm-hmm. calling out to Dick and, um, so he, cause Dick is African-American. I don't know if we said that already. Um, and so Grady, both of them use the N word when discussing Dick in that scene. Mm-hmm. And so shortly after that scene, like a couple minutes had passed and Grace asked me, she goes, um, was, did they say that in the book? And I was like, say what? Because I didn't know what she was talking mm-hmm. about. And she goes, uh, the N-word. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Stephen King uses that all the time. And I realized that, like, to make that statement to her was probably, like, kind of misleading, because it's just in all of his, like, he often has racist characters, mm-hmm. like, dirt bag characters that are racist, and they use that like word. horrible people. Yeah. <laughs> but the way that I said it to her was kind of like, oh, yeah, Stephen King is totally racist. He uses the N-word in his books all the time. <laughs> You're like,
0: <laughs> no, no, no. It's when he's writing people on he's like this is a real scumbag horrible person yeah
1: like let's 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 make him a racist because that's all. it's like how why they keep making movies about nazis is like mm-hmm. nazis are guaranteed bad guys you don't have to go into lengths about why this is a bad guy why this is the villain of the movie because they're nazis it's self-explanatory mm-hmm. and so for him it's like well they're racists it's self-explanatory they're the bad they're guy. horrible
0: people yeah
1: Um, But yeah, so there is a couple uses of the N-word in that scene. So if that was something that you either wanted to omit or wanted to be prepared for and front load your kids on, then um, that's something that a parent could do. But um, yeah, for her being at 12, uh, I mean, it wasn't scary. Mm -hmm. I I think that you could show it to a a very young child and they wouldn't be scared. Now, obviously, the other stuff would be problematic for a very young child.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, But she's already seen Ready Player One.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah. And then uh, seeing other stuff probably that have like infran- like cultural references. Like references to yeah. the movie too is probably Yeah, like, like the oh, scariest
1: yeah. bits of it have been regurgitated by society in so and over many over different iterations. And the
0: Simpsons and like yes. everything. Yeah. Yeah. And for the sure. shining. <laughs> the shining. <laughs> the shining. Yeah. So
1: I think that it's I mean, with those um Those particular scenes, um, to be cognizant of those and make your decision as a parent if you want to skip them or if you just want to
0: prepare your kid for them. Um, I mean, they're kind of integral. They're pretty important, like especially when... He's like, oh, the hotel is basically like, well, through Grady saying like, oh, there's somebody who's trying to come in, yeah, and this is really important, he and needs then to, that, that, you need to know that, yeah,
1: that exposition is, and is important,
0: knowing that, and you see him, Danny, kind of trying to reach out and him mm-hmm. getting that message, but it's like, it's important for you to know that yeah. they know too, and that's like pretty bad well and
1: when jack hears the reason he leaves wendy alone in the bathroom is because he hears dick's arrival on the vehicle Mm -hmm. now if he didn't already know from grady that dick was coming i mean i'm sure he still would have responded to the noise somehow Mm -hmm. but he wouldn't have been prepared to lie and wait for dick
0: yeah he knew that it was coming because grady like said yeah also i forgot to mention like um i mean i don't know did you have anything more to add for your like My recommendation parent for parents. Um. No, I think that was it. I think that's one thing I had kind of forgotten after reading the book was how messed up Wendy got in the book versus oh, how yeah. she got he messed up. Her up. Yeah, like wow. versus in the in the movie she barely gets, she doesn't really get hurt at all she's relatively unscathed yeah based, i mean of course mentally like oh man like yeah, but she doesn't even get me. like cut or anything yeah. and then in the book she gets I'm, well okay battered. so helleran obviously dies in the movie but mm-hmm. he gets in the book really messed up pretty good he gets like, hit
1: in the head with the rope mallet yeah. and like knocked unconscious and all his teeth jaw broken and stuff yeah,
0: yeah. and then but wendy has her like sh- ribs broken her leg her leg her ear like is basically knocked clean off (laughs) because
1: she dodged um, a blow and it like took her ear off as it tore her ear
0: off and is bleeding and like he hit her like smashed her in the knee Mm -hmm. like the kneecap and um, so she
1: can't walk she's doing all of this like dragging herself through the hotel
0: and she's like really injured Mm -hmm. like passing out um, you know fighting being passed passing out from this like crippling pain yeah trying to breathe take these <gasps> breaths yeah. and all of us as you're reading you're like <gasps> trying to like to breathe and feeling that like puncture like yeah it, it's it's horrifying and i don't know i thought and that then she and crazy. dick escape on a snowmobile on a snowmobile yeah and then he goes into the barn and then the hotel tries to kind of like
1: yeah get him print, to yeah to redirect kind of, their efforts mm-hmm. to him to
0: kill Wendy, and, and then Annie. he's like, initially for not like today, few, Satan. <laughs> yeah, for a few short minutes, he, then he's like, nope, gotta go. And yeah, then he leaves, and then of course, I forgot the wasps aren't even part oh, of it. Yeah, the they don't mention the wasps. That was
1: a really, but because that was part of the gradual build. Because mm-hmm. no, it wasn't just a gradual evolution of Jack's character in the book. It was the gradual awakening of the hotel. Because the the implication in the book, well, not an implication, they say it outright, is that the hotel is feeding off of Danny's, because he's an incredibly powerful psychic person. Mm-hmm. And so someone like Dick might be at the hotel and be able to see these things, but he wasn't as powerful. And, and Danny is like this fireball. He's of like, like a
0: conduit kind of like beacon yeah and And like a big battery yeah
1: they call him that they call him the battery that like is charging up the hotel and so the longer that he's there the more the hotel feeds off of him and it's able to create more of these things that are happening like
0: manifestations
1: yeah and so the wasp's nest which you know jack finds when he's re-shingling that's another thing in the movie jack doesn't do shit at the hotel he doesn't do any maintenance. He doesn't do any work, and they, he isn't told by the during the interview that that's part of his job. But in the book, he's reshingling the roof. Mm-hmm. He's shuttering all the big windows. He's doing all kinds of repairs, and so he finds a wasp's nest. Trimming the hedge animals. Trimming the hedge animals. But yeah, when he's he's uh, when he's shingling the roof, he finds a live wasp wasp's nest. He uses a bug bomb on it, and then once they're all dead, he gives it to Danny as like a souvenir type thing. Which
0: it's made out of paper It looks kind of cool. Yeah.
1: And when I was a kid, like you know, we kept weird stuff like that. You know, I get that. Um, And Wendy was a little apprehensive about it, but Jack's like, no, they're all dead. I used this bug bomb. They're all dead. And then in the night, the the hotel regenerates wasps, and they attack Danny. his sleep Mm -hmm. um and so that's something that they chose to omit in the movie but again that was like one of the first little you know the hotel using its growing power Mm -hmm. to create mayhem yeah basically and lash out at them
0: yes which is insane and then also in the movie you're not quite sure if he's actually drinking again or not yeah And then in the book, it's like when he smells juniper, she smells gin. She knows that it's been it's like he's drinking. Yeah. The hotel
1: manifests physical alcohol.
0: Yeah. For For him to consume Mm -hmm. and get him drunk. Yes. And he that's that was the tipping point. Yeah. Like that's how he was like able to be influenced Mm -hmm. through the manipulation of Mm -hmm. the alcohol. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I keep going back, of course. It's like, is this podcast just going to be today about how the book was better? <laughs> yes. Yes, <laughs> Maybe. it is. Yeah. I love the movie. Yeah. I do. Yeah. But I love the book more. I just love it more. Yeah. So I don't know. Well,
1: And, and so we can make it a little bit more about movies. And well, I mean, it's still about books. But um, I did kind of nerd out a little bit. And um, this prompted me to start kind of gathering data on Film adaptations of Stephen King's books and short stories because there's um, a metric, yeah, metric time, time. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what started <laughs> me on that is because I knew I've all you know knew that Carrie was his first novel. That's always something that I've had in my brain, and I knew The Shining was early on, but not you know really which order it occurred in. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of my Stephen King books on my bookshelf are in published publication order. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I was, you know, kind of getting some facts and like the year the book was published and the year that the movie came out and everything, and I was like, oh, wow, that's that's kind of interesting, because, you know, this was only his third book that he ever published. He published Carrie, and then he published Salem's Lot, and then he published The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, well, you know, Carrie was published in 1974. And they the film came out in 76. So it's like a two year turnaround, like that's pretty quick. And then Salem's Lot was published in 75. The TV movie came out in seventy nine, It's so like also kind of a quick turnaround. And then The Shining was published in 77 and the film was released in 1980. So just three years. And I was like, you know, that's kind of interesting when you think like now in Stephen King's career, you know, he, he. there are books where it's like, he hasn't even started writing it yet and and studios are already optioning the film rights because mm-hmm. it's Stephen King and they know whatever he writes is going to get made into something and so let's just grab it. But mm-hmm. at this point, he was unknown.
0: Mm-hmm. He was a
1: brand new writer. Nobody had any clue. And his first three books that he publishes immediately get turned into films, mm-hmm. um, which I'm like, well, you know, that's that's kind of impressive. So then what I did was I went through I went on Wikipedia, I have my database of his books and short stories, and then I went off my bookshelf and I went on IMDb um, and kind of made a spreadsheet of his books in publication order and then the ones that got turned into films and what year and the gap in time and everything. Um, and so these are some of the statistics that that I have for you. So this is maybe um, off by a couple because I, you know, I wasn't super worried about being super thorough. But basically, roughly 40 movies have been made based on Stephen King novels
0: or short stories. Um, I mean, I could think of like 10 off the top of my head. Yeah. Because. Because, I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, and <laughs> so
1: many of my favorite scary movies are based on his books. Mm -hmm. Um, 60% of those movies were released five years or less after the publication of the book, Mm -hmm. which is like basically the movie, the book comes out and they're like, yep, let's make that a movie. Mm -hmm. Um, In the seventies and eighties, the average time from book to film was about three years. So within three years, a movie had come out of his books. Um, And then my favorite was between 1980 and 1989. So in nine years, nine films were released based on his books and they were The Shining, The Dead Zone, Cujo, Christine, Children of the Corn, Firestarter, Stand By Me, The Running Man, and Pet Sematary. That was just the 80s.
0: Oh, my favorite. Right? This is why I'm such a weirdo because I grew up on that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, and it's when I I went out, like after I made, I was super proud of my spreadsheet and everything. And I went to tell, you know, my husband that like, look, these are my statistics. and And so I'm telling this and he's like, so basically, he's the screenwriter. And I'm and like, like, no, I'm like, he just mm. writes stories that work really well as movies. He's like, that makes him a screenwriter. And I'm like, shut up. You're not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Can't believe I even talked to you about this. <laughs> you're like, uh, whatever. You Don't get it. Yeah. But it truly is. I mean, he just he's a storyteller and that mm-hmm. it works for books and it works for films. You know?
0: Yeah. I don't know. I just hmm. I love the. I love this Shining, the movie. I know they did a TV movie, and it tried to be more true to the source material, but it was not good. Oh. I mean, it, I don't know. I know they tried, and I watched it, and I was like, this is not good. Maybe if I rewatched it, I, I can't remember who's in it. I, know I didn't even like, know that they had done that. It's like one of the guys, like a main character from the movie, that show called Wings, and then... Uh, another chick who played Wendy, who, ha- who was blind. Mm-hmm. And well, they got something right. <laughs> yeah, I know. And <laughs> I feel like they incorporated the topiary animals, but I can't remember. Do you remember like, around when
1: it was made? Like,
0: 90s, 2000s? I feel like it in the 90s. Yeah. Huh. I feel like. I'll have to look that we up. We need to look it up and see if it's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I want to revisit that and see if it's as bad as I remember. Yeah. Because while we judge Jack Nicholson a lot by being like oh he's to this to that mm-hmm. he's I mean he's it's one of the
1: most iconic characters in film history
0: <laughs> yes like so you so, can see why people would shy away from making doing a remake yeah 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 and
1: for the record that number that I had 40 movies based on his novels or short stories does not include sequels and remakes oh yeah so obviously it's like you <gasps> it's know like in the millions. double or triple that <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know
1: like that counts it once You know, that counts. Children of the Corn had like seven sequels. (gasps) You know, Carrie, we talked about, like, got, you know, two sequels and one remake, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I just went with any the initial adaptation, any of them that was initially adapted because Salem's Lot. Got made twice. Uh, Pet Cemetery got made twice. Like mm-hmm. that's that's been a big thing. Is like, and I think those are the movies that were made from his books when they first came out. Now maybe like you were saying with the Topiary, they're they're realizing that now they could do so much more mm-hmm. if they were to make it again now. Yes. But it is funny because of the, the outliers of like, you know, oh, within two years or three years, they got made into movies so quickly, like there were definite outliers. And one of the ones that would have totally skewed my statistics was Dark Tower. Oh, because yeah. Because technically, Gunslinger was published in like 80 mm-hmm. or 78. And no, seventy eight, like it was a million 80s. years later yeah. in the 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. I forgot. Not too long ago, I, right? I, I, kept, I actually brought my the document of my database. Hold
0: on. <laughs> nerd! Look at this nerd. Oh, total
1: nerd. Okay. Um. Let's see. Yeah. Gun- okay. So Gunslinger was published in '82, and then the movie came out in 2017. So 35 years later, that was mm-hmm. that was the biggest gap. But then obviously yeah. also that was the first book in a seven book series that he wrote over the course of 40 years. And so it was not me. That, 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 no, that's we, why that's we can now choose now not to talk about it. Yeah, we can ignore that. But then some other big gaps like. Um, <laughs> In the the book of short stories, Skeleton Crew that he published in '85, um, had the short story The Mist in it mm-hmm. that got made into a movie in 2007. So that was 22 years. Yeah. And then one that I know we both love is Gerald's Game. A
0: huge gap. Yeah, that was 25 between. years yes. for that one. My um, clan again just needed to become a filmmaker and then sooner. make it. Yeah, <laughs> sooner, I know. Yeah. I don't um, know. I'm just a. I feel like he can do no wrong after he did Dr. Sleep and Gerald's game. I'm like, come on, do more Stephen King. Yeah.
1: <laughs> don't do anything else. Just this. <laughs> just do
0: this. I'll be like telling him what to do, and he'll be like, please stop talking to me. Like, stop emailing me. <laughs> You're ruining my life. <laughs> Well, well, we I, could talk about Stephen King all night.
1: I know, and I'm you know, know. this won't be the last Stephen King movie. I'm sure that we no. we do, uh, but mm-hmm. this this will prepare you. I mean, every little bit that I get out in each episode means the next time I'll have less to say about him. Yeah, maybe
0: he's amazing. So. <laughs> he's amazing.
1: But The Shining, yes, watch it, love it, hate it, but watch it and read it,
0: of course. Yeah, and you know don't judge Shelly uh, too harshly because she had like a mental break a little yeah. bit. And her face um, was just very distracting to me. I mean, sad. What are you going to do? She's a sad lady. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> Next time we'll be talking about The Ring. So if it's been a while, give it a watch. Or if you haven't watched it at all, watch it.